Welcome to the Alight on Wellbeing podcast series. As life at home and at work converge, employee well-being has never been more essential to maintaining high-performing organizations. At Alight, well-being is at the heart of how we operate and serve our clients. We believe in the connection between a healthy mind, body, wallet, and life, grounded in inclusion, so that all employees live their best life at home and at work. We're glad you could join us today to learn the latest and greatest on employee well-being. Let's get started. Welcome back. Episode three, A Light on Well-Being. My name is Matt Brankstead. I am your host, and I am absolutely elated today to be joined by Kimberly Williams. Kimberly, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. I'm excited to be here. Fun. All right. So... Let's start with this. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, your role at Alight, what you're passionate about, so people can get to know you. Sure. Um, my name is Kimberly Williams. I'm a psychiatric nurse practitioner by trade. I am the clinical director of behavioral health here at Alight. I have been with the company for four, four and a half years now. Wow. Um, and... One thing that I'm very passionate about and have been throughout my 25-year career is empowerment. And I, I know it's one of those buzzwords, but truly education and empowerment. Uh, as a nurse, I was a nurse, an RN for over 15 years before I became an advanced practice RN. And I worked in other areas and um, education and empowering others to take care of their own health is my favorite, my favorite thing. That's what I'm most passionate about in healthcare. Well, it's hard not to just absolutely love that. Uh, Hard not to connect to that. So let's, today we're going to talk a little bit about mental health. We're going to pick your brain uh, and and use some of that expertise to help the masses. So let's talk about that. What is mental health? Break it down. How does it feel? What does it look like? All the things. All right. Well, your dry definition of mental health is our emotional, psychological, and social well-being. That's our CDC definition. Um, Mental health, it affects all aspects of our life. Um, It determines how we think, feel, and act. And mental health really is intertwined with our physical health and our spiritual health. So truly, we have to have that whole, you know, that that trinity, those those three items there, and making sure if we neglect our mental health, then our physical health will surely, surely suffer, as well as vice versa. We we know that when we're physically ill, that connects to our mental health as well. So making sure um, that we're equipped, uh, mental health is how we handle stress, how we relate to others, and how we make different types of choices, and it it changes throughout the, throughout our lives. It's a spectrum. So your mental health state when you were five is different than when you're 25, 55, 85. Totally get that. Um, I think ultimately it's, it's so interesting to think about how those two things interconnect as far as physical and mental health and, and how changing your physiology can change can change what's going on in your head and vice versa, changing the, the stories that are going on in your head can absolutely have a, a physical impact. How about that at, at work and at home? How, do, how does mental health affect the relationships you have with your colleagues versus the relationships you have with your spouse or kids? And, and where can we start to dig a little bit deeper deeper into to those areas as, as that work from home kind of gets more and more blended? 
excellent, excellent topic there. So as I mentioned, mental health affects all areas of, your, of life, truly, both at home, at work, and our mental health status affects the rest of our, our family. Um, just think of how, how you feel when somebody in your family is in, a, is, in a, you know, is in a bad mood for a day. You know it, you feel it, you act differently, you react differently, you might tiptoe around a bit, you might. So, so uh, mental health really connects all across um, our, our lives. And that happens at work as well. Um, when, when our mental health is at a, a lower point, we're not as productive at work. Um, we might be doing a lot more screen staring, um, getting things done slower, which in turn, you know, can create a longer work day, which, you know, can get into this negative spiral. So addressing uh, addressing mental health can help you in all areas. It can help with your relationships at home. It helps with modeling for your children, um, for your relationship with a significant other, as well as friends and others that are important in your life. And it helps your career at work, uh, addressing your mental health, just as addressing your physical health helps you in different areas of your life. Screen staring. I love that. I'm going to totally steal that. That's usually me before the third cup of coffee. There's a lot of <laughs> screen staring. My kids know like no kids before coffee on a Saturday morning. So, so maybe that should be no work before coffee. Uh, otherwise right. only screen staring happens. I, I think, you know, many of us can relate to this from an employee perspective and, and we've all felt days that were in the flow and we're flying and we felt days that the weight of everything that's going on around us and all the voices in our head like absolutely bring us down. Um, I think where a lot of folks run into trouble is many of us are managers of other people. And I think oftentimes when you're watching your employees do some screen staring or you're picking up on vibes over camera of that employee, those managers don't know what to do. They're not psychologists. They they they're not therapists. They have no idea what to do. Do you have any advice for managers on how to support their, their employees when, when they're starting to see signs of, of that? Um, certainly, certainly. And what we find is um, managers, supervisors, they want to help. They just don't know how to help. And sometimes they, they're reluctant to start because they don't want to get into a hole where they're concerned, wait, I, I don't want to be their therapist. We, no one wants you to be their therapist either. So, <laughs> but with um, at work, there's definitely things you can do to support. And similar to not not at work, the biggest thing is often the simplest, and that is listening, just quiet listening, and that goes across home, work as well. Just listening. You don't have to always fix the problem. And especially at work, we're looking at, oh, I, I want to fix this. I want to make this right. But oftentimes we just can't, especially things that are going on in people's personal lives. So just hearing them and then offering support to resources, connection. So again, you don't have to fix um, whatever's going on in somebody's life. Chances are good that you're, you don't have that ability. Um, but just listening so they feel heard makes a big difference. Um, study after study shows that just listening makes a huge difference. People feeling heard, people feeling like somebody, somebody cared uh, yeah. for that moment. And then connecting them to where they can 
where they can actually get resources. Um, and we can certainly um, talk about that as well. There's a lot of resources out there, but just being that connection can be so helpful. Some other things that managers or supervisors can do, model healthy behaviors. Okay, just like in parenting, this is so much easier said than done. <laughs> so much easier said than done, right? <laughs> so, you know, when you find yourself talking about, we want to make sure you're balancing work life, but then the supervisor, and, you know, I'll say myself, it's guilty as well, working late, checking emails at 8 o'clock, sending emails at 9 p.m., you know, that's not really modeling that work-life balance. So making sure that we're we're modeling what we're what we're talking about and what we're encouraging, also checking in with your with um with your staff and with your coworkers. That goes back to that listening, making sure people mm -hmm. feel like you do you do care, you notice, you care. And then my other big thing would be being being flexible, especially now post pandemic, just being flex flexible, being being willing to rethink, uh, you know, even empower those employees to identify how they work best because everybody doesn't work best the exact same way. Some people thrive in an office environment. Some people thrive in a home environment and mm -hmm. talking to people to determine what works best for them and how you can be flexible can be key in not only maximizing employee health, but productivity as well. 100 100%. I love that that idea of kind of the reciprocation of listening too because there I'm a talk to think kind of person. I know I'm not alone in the world and sometimes me just saying it out loud can completely change the narrative that's going on in my head. So it's it's you almost get that exponential value out of just listening and letting the answers flow directly out of the person. I I love that as a as a very not scary uh first step for managers. Last question, Kimberly, and this has been awesome. I actually have goosebumps. Um, one of the last webinars I, I listened to you on, I heard multiple people and read multiple comments about the, it's just so nice to talk about this. It's just so nice to get this out. It's just so nice not to have this as a stigmatism or or some sort of weird separation between you know mental health and work and we ne'er ne the two shall meet. Um, can you talk a little bit about why you think there's been such a, a connection between this conversation, which is, by the way, now on almost every CEO's radar as far as a, a, a significant thing that they have to address within their organizations. But talk a little bit about those, why people are having such a visceral reaction to, to being able to talk about this. I, I think some things are are generational. I think the younger generations are excellent. I, you know, at, at they're talking more and it's encouraging the rest of us to talk more. I mean, when you think about uh, your, you know, your grandparents and um, should they, they rarely mentioned physical health, let alone mental health. <laughs> so I, I remember taking my grandma to the doctor and she would say, I'm fine. And it's like, wait, whoa, whoa, grandma, you know, she was living with it. You're not, that's not true. <laughs> so, you know, let's talk about what you mentioned before, but she's like, I don't want to bother him. So I think that the younger generations are, are, are taking a lead on this. Um, and and it's helping helping other generations at, as well. They're really um, 
recognizing that these are important com components um, in order to be a healthy person and in order to live your best life, including your best work life as, as well. Um, yeah. I love it when people say it's so nice to talk about this. Uh, it goes, it circles right back to that listening step. Um, oftentimes people feel like they're bothering people or feel like they're alone and you are absolutely, absolutely not alone. If somebody is not feeling like this now, uh, you know, just the statistics tell us that people have felt that way at some point in their life. Mm -hmm. uh, we all have different journeys and different time periods. Um, thankfully, we're different, uh, where we, we're at different levels of stress um, and different levels of mental health, but everybody has a weakness sometime in, in their life or has a point where they could use um, some extra assistance. A bazillion percent. I that is that puts such a fine point. If somebody is feeling like they're in a in in one of those screen staring states or or you know that weak state, I think you just described it as. What should they do? Sure. Um, first, I want to. I should requalify weak because I, I wish I hadn't used that term. <laughs> so I really do, because I just want to say when you might be feeling that you're weaker, but Vulnerable. it's I an mean, opportunity I, I, yeah. to bring out, you know, new strengths and to learn new things. Um, but you should reach out for help when you're thinking, I wonder when I should reach out for help. That's the time to reach out for help because just like everything else in your physical life or, or when you're trying to learn something, the sooner you start, the sooner, you know, you get to the state that you're, you're looking for. Um, you know, the earlier you start, the earlier you can improve those symptoms and, and move forward onward and, you know, onward. Um, it, it's not always this life sentence. And I think sometimes people are, are concerned that, well, if I seek out help, then I'm going to be this person who's, who's always dependent on care. And honestly, we hear the same thing about getting their blood pressure checked. Well, I don't have mm -hmm. bad blood pressure because I've never been to a doctor and never had it measured. So my blood pressure is fine. You know, <laughs> so it's the same thing, just getting seen. It's, it can be simple as learning a few new skills to pull you pull you out and you know move you past that place. Um, sometimes we do need longer you know longer care, but there's so much out there, and you don't know until you start looking and until you um, until you seek that help and assistance, you're going to be where you are. And nobody you know I haven't ever heard somebody say, "I wish I never sought assistance." It's always, "I wish I'd done this sooner." I wish I'd done this sooner. I feel so much better now. Mm, I love I love the idea of the strength is in the journey. Um, Kimberly, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining us for the Alight on Wellbeing podcast. Visit alight.com to learn more about how we're connecting work and life for greater well-being. If you like what you've heard, please give us a five-star rating from wherever you listen. 